Welcome to the Drive Deeper Podcast, where we gather together on your morning commute to dive deeper into the scripture and give you a word to meditate on the rest of the day so that you can walk closely with the Lord during your busy week. Today we're going to be talking about the true greatness of King Jesus. We'll be diving into Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, in the triumphal entry passage. This is a passage that is familiar to us, that we hear on Palm Sunday, typically, describing when Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem and is hailed as the king that he is, and yet... The same people that hail him as king on Sunday crucify him on Friday. Yet Jesus' display of his true greatness would have been incomplete if he, after being hailed as king at the triumphal entry, went and sat on the throne of David. His kingly work was not yet accomplished. He certainly was the king. He certainly was deserving of their praises. He certainly was deserving of their honor. And yet, these things alone are not what demonstrates his greatness as the king. Instead, His greatness is displayed through his obedience to the utmost. For the king thinks not of his own life, but gives his life as a ransom for the many. Jesus' greatness is not displayed in the triumphal entry, but as he is enthroned upon the cross of Calvary. So today what I'd like to do is to read through this passage of the triumphal entry. We're going to start in verse 7 and go through the end of 11. And then I'd love to go back into three Old Testament passages very quickly to talk about parallels between the entrance of King Jesus and the proclamation of Solomon and Jehu as king of Israel, and then look at the prophecy that is fulfilled from Zechariah 9, verses 9 through 12, when Jesus enters into the city of David, sitting upon a donkey, the humble king, the righteous king who brings salvation, who speaks peace to the nations and shall have a global reign and kingdom through the cross. So let's start in Mark 11, verse 7. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it, and many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So in this passage, we see the coronation of King Jesus. So we're going to look quickly at these Old Testament passages concerning Solomon and Jehu to show us how Jesus is the great fulfillment of the many kings that ruled over Israel and yet did so imperfectly and whose lives were not characterized by perfect righteousness. In 1 Kings, just before David's death, he declares to Nathan the prophet that Solomon, his son, is to be the king that takes his place. In 1 Kings 1, starting in verse 33, he says this, And the king said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord and have Solomon, my son, ride on my own mule. And bring him down to Gihon, and let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. You shall then come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be king in my place, and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah." So in this passage, the similarity we see is that Solomon, as he is declared to be the son of David who is taking the throne in his place, is shown to be this one as he is riding in on David's mule, on his donkey. This is an amazing connection Because Jesus is the greatest son of David, the long-awaited son of David, who shall be all that Solomon, with all the wisdom in the world, failed to be. In 2 Kings chapter 9, we hear the account of Jehu being proclaimed to the people as king. In 2 Kings 9, starting in verse 12, the scripture says this, And he said, Thus and so he said to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Then in haste every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. So in this passage, once again, we see the connection of people's garments being placed under this person, Jehu, and he is proclaimed as king. This was an incredible display of honor and respect, setting the king apart, saying, we do not even wish that your feet would touch the ground. You are king. The Lord has anointed you and has given you to rule over us. 
So we see this very thing happen with Jesus. His disciples take off their cloaks and they place them on this donkey that has never been ridden before. And the people take their cloaks as well as the palm branches that they have cut from the fields and brought with and and cover the streets with them. So not only is he not touching the donkey, but the donkey's feet are not touching the ground. They are very clearly giving him honor and respect as the long-awaited king, the son of David, whom they have placed their hope in. So finally, I want to go to the passage in Zechariah chapter 9, where this prophecy of the triumphal entry comes from and is fulfilled in our passage in Mark 11. Just to give some quick context, something that's amazing to me, in the passage right before this prophecy of the humble king entering into Jerusalem, there is a clear prophecy about Alexander the Great and the power he's going to come with, the dominion he's going to have, the victories he's going to win. And this king is contrasted with the humble king who is to enter into Jerusalem on the donkey. We read this in Zechariah chapter 9, starting in verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Wow, there's just so much in this passage that we can dive into. Uh, But we're just going to have to skim through this and hit the highlights. The Lord tells his people to rejoice greatly, to shout aloud, because their king is coming to them, and they're going to see him mounted on a donkey. This is exactly what we see in Mark chapter 11. Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy. Now, there are three ways that the Lord describes this coming king. One is that he's righteous. He's going to be perfectly just and rule in righteousness. And we know that Jesus is perfectly righteous. He has never sinned. He's been tempted in all ways as we have yet without sin. So he is the perfectly righteous king, which Israel has been waiting for. He is our salvation in salvation for his people through his death on the cross. And finally, he is humble. Jesus is the greatest being in the universe, and yet he is humble. How should that speak into our lives? How should that put us in our place 
no matter what sort of status or position or honor we hold in this world, if the true greatness of King Jesus is displayed in humility, then the same must be true in our lives. In verse 10, the Lord goes on to speak about how the chariot shall be cut off from Ephraim, which is speaking of the northern portion of Israel, and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off. He is going to bring peace to Israel. War is going to cease, but it's not just going to be for the good of Israel. The passage goes on to say, he shall speak peace to the nations. His his rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So this king who is humble, who comes in on a donkey rather than a war horse, is the one who is going to bring peace to Israel and to this world. So we must bow down before him. Any efforts to bring peace to this world between men, between man and woman, between man and God, that does not involve King Jesus is vain, is empty, and is a fruitless endeavor. He is our peace. As Paul says, he himself is is our peace. And we know that this peace comes only through the cross. This is how he brings the salvation, he declares. Through the blood of the new covenant, he sets the prisoners free. The hope that Israel has had in the coming Messiah is fulfilled and the the greatest restoration of spiritual exile comes to Israel and to the whole world through the blood of the cross. So as we walk away, so as we walk away from this passage and enter into our day, I want us to look upon the true greatness of King Jesus. Oh yes, his greatness is displayed in the triumphal entry He's deserving of the parallel between him and Solomon as he rides in on the donkey, as David rode in on his father's donkey, and he was proclaimed to be the son of David, the king that came in his place. And yet Jesus is a far greater is the fulfillment of the true king who brings peace, the true king who has infinite heavenly wisdom, as well as the connection between Jehu, where the people in his proclam where the people in proclaiming him to be king take off their cloaks and lay them upon the steps so that his feet don't have to touch the ground. Jesus receives the same honor as king. His greatness is absolutely displayed in this. And yet in a far greater way than the triumphal entry, in the ultimate way, the true greatness of King Jesus is displayed on the cross. 
His greatness is displayed in his humility, in his willing, in his willingness to obey the Father to the very end, to the furthest extent, to not only be willing to give his life, but be willing to do so in the most humiliating way possible. This is the great king. Do our lives reflect this great king? Or are we desiring the external appearance of greatness that is given to him on the triumphal entry? Again, he was deserving of it. And maybe there are things in your life that are deserving of honor. And yet, that is not what makes you great. True greatness comes in becoming the least. True greatness is displayed by becoming a servant. True greatness is shown through sacrifice, through love for others. So let's live into that greatness today. <laughs>